God's going to move, and He really is moving. To be honest, I I just um I believe that today is going to be a significant marking moment in the life and history of your church. Uh, from this point on, I believe that the the church will not and should not be the same. Um, who who believes that? Sometimes when we get into the talk mode, we can get into okay, I, I've kind of done my stuff here in my heart. I've sung my song, and now I'm ready for like almost like going to like a university lecture. I'm, I'm now to, ready to, to. I don't want us to, to to separate head and heart today. Let's just engage. God's going to move through His Word, which He loves to do. And um, so right now, I, I you know I'm fully expecting that God's going to do it. I don't know how He's going to do it in the time that I've only got, but it doesn't matter because the Lord is in charge. God is moving very powerfully today. It's going to be huge, and I'd like you. Um, right now to be ready to uh, receive from him. If you don't have a booklet, uh, Pete Coe's got a couple if you need any. Okay. So I'm going to tell you why I'm sure that God's going to move and he's going to change the course and direction of the church today uh, more and more in line with his will. It's not going to be anything I say, but it's going to be because of this. Everyone listen up, look up here. This is the word of God. Who loves the word of God? I believe that these are the very words of God. And I believe what he does is he takes his words and he takes them and he presses them home by the Holy Spirit in our hearts, exactly where it is that we need it. And if you've grown up in any way hearing me speak at Rice Valleys or whatever it is, I've always, I've started every sermon that I've ever preached since, at least maybe, whatever, early 20s, um, saying the same line, so I'm going to say it again, which is that this is his word and his word never returns to him empty. This word goes out. It's a promise in Scripture. In the book of Isaiah, it said that his word goes out and it never returns to him empty. It does not go out and have no fruit. What's going to happen is, if you understand the significance of the spiritual activity we're engaging with here, I mean, everything is spiritual. But you know what we're doing? What we're doing right now is we're having his words, the very words of God with a promise that says it's going to go out and change your lives and come back with fruit. If that doesn't excite you, then I don't know what I can say that can possibly excite you today because you know what? God is going to change your life. Everyone turn to the person next to you and say, God's going to change your life. You can say it with confidence because of his word. Hmm. Now everyone say to the person next to you, God's going to change our church. <laughs> so everyone put your hand on someone next to you from your church or somewhere near, near you. Put your hand on them. And right now I'm going to pray. Father God, I pray for this church. I pray for this church, and I pray that this church will never be the same after this moment. Keep your hands laid on them, on clothes, I forgot, yeah. And, um, and right now, I want you just to very quick, I'm going to give you 10 seconds maximum to pray the biggest, boldest prayer you can think of for the person next to you, on either side of you. And I want you to pray that they grow faster than you, they grow more than you into Jesus, they, they, they become the greatest evangelist, the next Billy God. I don't care what you pray, but you pray big, big prayers on the count of three. One, two, three, go, big prayers, let's go. Come on, pray out, pray out loud, pray out loud, pray out. Come on, come on, come on. What did you pray? Father, I just thank you so much for that. And Lord God, right now I pray over this church. 
Lord God, you are going to just do amazing things in these people. And we're just fully expectant. You already work so powerfully already. And so, Father, as we press in for a revival, for renewal, we pray that you would move in the name of Jesus. We pray and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Come on, give it up for God, what he's doing already. I'm so excited about what he's done. I've never preached on a computer screen before, but I'm going to try it out today to see what the Lord has for us. Today, the topic is renewal or revival. I'm going to interchangeably use the words. There's maybe slight semantics in it, but I'm just going to use the word revival today. Uh, and um, basically, we're going after that. And I want you to um, uh, know just a few definitions of what we're talking about here. Revival, um, at least in the, uh, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, uh, is a word named cheah. And uh, uh, we've got some friends actually just named their baby Chaya. Uh, and Chaya means revival, which actually the, the, the actual definition of it, if you're writing something down, is uh, talking about bringing back to life. Bringing back to life. Everyone say, bring back to life. That's what's going to happen today. What we're hoping for is that God brings revival. When we're saying that, we're saying that God breathes on his church and that he breathes on you and he brings you back to life. And that we see his breath come in. You know, when Adam's lungs got the breath of uh, the, uh, got, got, got God's breath in him, it's like this lifeless body goes and oh, I said, let's exhale, inhale, right? Inhales God's breath and then exhales and he comes to life physically and spiritually at that point. And what we're doing is we're asking God to do that today, to bring us to life, to breathe in us. By His Holy Spirit, that's why the Spirit's the breath of God, to breathe in us so that we are resuscitated. It's like, um, you know, when you go into the hospital, the, the, um, you know, and, and there's people who, you know, the emergency and they're doing that thing. I don't know what the thing, the technical thing, the thing. What's the thing called? You know, the. Seriously, it's called that, is it? I don't think I've ever said that word. What's it called? Pico speaking in tongues in the front row. So, defibrillator, right? It's not a battle. Defibrillator, defibrillator. Okay, so, um, what am I talking about now? Oh, yeah, when they go into the hospital and they have the thing, the defibrillator, uh, and they come back and there's a jolt. What we're looking for today is that jolt, and I believe the Lord's got that uh, coming. It's the same thing that, that Reuben saw, you know, with the, with the fire coming down. I believe there's a jolt that we're waiting for. So, breath of life is what we're coming. We're coming for bring, being brought back to life. Everyone say, bring, uh, bring us back to life. Say that out loud. Bring us back to life. That's what we're asking for God to do. Today we're talking about fire as well. And um, uh, I didn't actually know that your, sim, your logo, seriously, I didn't know your logo until it just came in here was this, this, this flame. And like, um, my goodness, this is crazy because what I believe that God's going to do is he's going to bring his fire. And fire sometimes is not like excitement only. You know, like it's not like the more fire you get, the more you jump, you know, and the more like, wow, you know, and it can look like that. Don't get me wrong. But fire has something, another part to it. Fire has a purifying effect. And you've got to be careful what you ask for when you ask for a revival. Who here wants revival? Who else apart from Pico and a few others want revival? Anyone else? Who wants revival? Okay, so you want the church to be brought back to life. You want yourself to be brought back to life spiritually and you want it. But I'm saying to you, be careful what you ask for. Because when God brings his revival fire... What that also looks like is a refiner's fire. And a refiner's fire looks like purifying fire, and a fire is hot. And what fire does to purify things is it burns stuff off. And every great revival that has ever happened in Scripture and 
in history has been preceded by uh, the, the Lord's refining work and repentance. You know how you want your altar to be ready uh, for God to light it up? Your life, your life as an altar. The Romans talks about this. You know, I'm not just jumping from Old Testament to uh, words. Uh, the, the Bible the, in Romans chapter twelve it talks about us as living sacrifices. So if you want that to be ready for God to light up today, let me tell you what a, a ready altar looks like. A ready altar looks like and a, a, a heart that has the posture of repentance, that has the posture of, I'm ready to deal with the sin in my life. And every major revival has been preceded by that. Personal revivals, and I mean, even, even the very first revival that happens in that person's life, which I think is when they become a Christian, when that happens, it precedes, you know, by repentance. As an evangelist, I've been doing that my whole life, calling on people. And the first thing I say is, maybe you want to pray, dear God, I'm sorry for, for wronging you. And then comes the Holy Spirit to revive that, that place. So I want to say something that shock you. Even though I want this church, my dream and my prayer for this church is for it to, to grow. And I believe God's going to grow it with new converts. And I'm gonna, we're going to go after that. Who's dreaming for that? Who wants that? Anyone of Papa Pico and a few friends? Anyone want that? We want to see this church doubled with new converts. But let me tell you, first and foremost, God is actually not interested in filling empty seats. He's, he's interested in filling empty hearts. What he's interested in doing first and foremost, and he probably will end up with filling those empty seats, but he's interested not just in empty seats, he's interested in empty hearts. Hearts that are emptied of the idols that you carry. Hearts that are emptied of the things that you put that, that, that are put between you and God. And God's saying, I want to look for a room of empty hearts that I can come and fill. Amen? So that's what we're after today. That's what we're going after. And so um, this morning, um, I, what, what I think I want to say is, uh, revival is going to come. And if you heard me, um, if, if revival is going to come, let me tell you a few things about revival before we get a bit more stuck into it. And that's this. Um, or just at least one thing. I don't want you at any point in any of my talks to say, so I'm going to say it once. So this is my, my disclaimer once and just carry it through for my talks. I don't want you at any point to hear me say that there is a formula for revival. I can't give you a A plus B plus C plus something X equals this, right? Revival, right? You can't, I mean, I know you guys are most likely, you know, good at mathematics, but I can't, I can't give you it. I can't give you a formula. There is no formula that can do that. We can't orchestrate Revival. There's nothing that we can do together today. There's no amount of perfect song or perfect fairy lights or perfect anything that can. Um, they're nice fairy lights, by the way, but they, they but but that, that can that can set this up and make this happen. But what we do have is a whole bunch of principles and things that we know have been uh, either in scripture or historically been around when revival happens. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that. But I want you to understand from the get go that I'm not giving you a formula, but what I'm giving you is principles around which that we need to align our heart in and we can be expecting that God will work. And let me tell you this, um, a, a big flashy event doesn't mean revival, right? You can have a great conference like this. You can have a rice rally with lights and the whole thing or whatever. None of that means revival, right? There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with them at all, but none of them actually 
means revival. And so I want to say to you this, don't mistake hype for the presence of God. Don't mistake hype for the presence of God. Don't, 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 don't disdain hype. Some of you are probably more like, oh, I need a bit of an encouragement to not, not worry about hype. But uh, things can be hyped, right? But don't mistake that for the presence of God. What we're after today is God coming and being present with us, just like we sang before. Okay, so here we go. Um, and just, you know, I've cut, um, I've cut most of my stories today because I just, I, you might be up for a good story later. I might have some time. But this one, we've got to finish it, like, soon, in, like, 15 minutes. And I've just done my introduction. So... Let's just close him through. No, so, so I, I don't know what to do. I've got seven points at least, and um, so I'm just going to move through them, and I'm going to give them to him fast, and then I'm going to. I particularly need some time for response at the end too. So, what chance do I have, mate? So here we go. Let's just see what we're going to, what we've got. But basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rattle off for you seven points uh, in a list of principles that I see are, are crucial for revival. If we don't get all through, through all seven, that's okay. At some point, we're going to respond today too. So I want your heart to be ready. Is your heart still ready? Yeah, anyone else? Heart still ready? Okay, good. So here we go. First thing is this. Um, uh, let me tell you, this talk is called, my first talk is called around the word purity. So everyone write that. If you're writing a title, it's purity. My two talks today are going to be called purity. The next one is called power. Purity and power, if you're writing down together, I think the combination of those two words, the combination of purity, when it's accompanied by the power of God, those two things together are a potent combination that lights up uh, for revival. So we're going to go after the first half first, purity. Let me tell you, the first point on today's talk is this. Purity, uh, in revival, um, God moves in purity through prayer. Purity through prayer. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through one of my favorite books of the Bible, and you're going to hear almost every cross-reference today come from one book that I believe the Lord... Um, uh, ooh, I'm going to say that a bit stronger than I... Maybe I should. I, I really believe that... Sorry, Pete. I just really believe that the church needs to really delve into the book of Acts in, in a, a big way um, and, and just get, get, get into it. I think it's pertinent for your church right now, and I believe it's pertinent for our year in 2020, the book of Acts, where you, where you see the, the birth of the church, one of the greatest revivals that has ever, ever happened. And so you're going to hear a lot of cross-references there. So Acts chapter 1, verse 14, I'm going to rattle it through. Um, all They all joined together. The early church, what they did was they all joined together constantly in prayer everyone say constantly in prayer you see that what we see in the first great revival is that we see that the early church what they were committed to beyond anything was prayer and i want to start with prayer because i believe that any revival work anything that's going to happen in this church will be preceded by desperate prayer prayer is a gift from god that has been given to us to engage with his heart. It's not primarily a wish list or a, 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 a genie kind of tap, rub the, what do you do with the bottle thing? Anyway, um, rub the lamp, something. It's, it's, it's not that. What it is, is it's, it's primarily a, 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 a means by which we engage with the heart of God. And so as a church, we need to be, as a church, we need to be constantly engaged in prayer. And we need to be so persistent in prayer. You know, there was a time when Peter, the Apostle Peter, in Acts chapter did I write it down? 12, Acts chapter 12, was in prison. So this is their head guy, right? This is not just, this is their head guy. Really, the music's come up already. Are you serious? Okay, so here we go. Point one, we're on. So, so 
Um, that's right, God will do what he needs to do in his time. So he, what are we talking about? Peter, the head guy, gets put in jail, and what does the church do? The church, in, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter, uh, what they did was they earnestly got together and prayed. They earnestly prayed for him. And they were praying and praying for so long they did not give up praying, and they prayed and prayed until Peter miraculously, literally miraculously, walks out of jail. He walks past the guards. The, and in fact, I think it even says the gate opened without him. I'll have to look at it again. But I think the gate just opens. The gate just opens without him pushing on it. He just comes in. The gate opens. He walks past the guards. And then he comes back and knocks on the door of the prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting. And the girl runs out. And they're like. And, and then she runs back. like, Peter's here. And they all think she's crazy. Right? Because you know what happened? The early church. You know why God gave revival to these guys? I'll tell you what it is. God gave revival because they were so in line with the heart of God because they were so deeply connected in prayer. The prayer meeting must be the engine room of this church. You understand that, don't you? Church is not a thing that you tick off for Sundays and maybe Fridays if you go to youth group or whatever cell group you go to. The prayer room must be the engine room of this church. Revival delays because prayer decays. There you go. There's your motto for the day. Revival delays because prayer decays. Prayer meetings and these kind of things, these moments are the things that continually are the hardest things for pastors to get people to come to. But this church must be a church on its knees. Persistently praying till they get miraculous breakthrough. And you pray because you have, this church must have a holy discontent with the status quo. Right now, I'm calling on you guys at church. Look at me. I want you to see this. I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to think. Are you satisfied with the level of where this church is at when it comes to uh, uh, their love for Jesus? Are you satisfied with where your life is at? Because the problem is, so many times, the thing that actually stops uh, God doing His powerful work is actually us, ourselves. We actually block God's work because, you know why? There's a complacency that sets in. And I want to shake you out of that today. Grab the person next to you and shake him. Give him a shake, give him a shake. Shake him out, shake him, shake him, shake him, shake him, shake him, shake him. Wake up, wake up, wake up. You know why? That's what God wants to do. Listen up, look up, look up here. God wants to do that to you today. Because complacency is the enemy of revival. Satan, one of his most subtle tricks is to, is to almost like Sing a lullaby over the church so they fall asleep. Pretty ugly, horrible lullaby, I'm sure. But like not a nice lullaby, like a horrible one. Just that, uh, filled with complacency until you just go back into a bit of a lull. But what we need here and what I'm calling on the church to have here at SWEG and what I'm calling on you as individuals to have is to have a holy discontent with where your life is at when it comes to your relation with Jesus. You have to be so discontent with that. You have to be so heart sick. Here's a, here's a, here's a, um, a, a, a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. The true man or woman of God, listen to this, is heart sick, grieved at the worldliness of the church, Grieved at the toleration of sin in the church. Grieved at the prayerlessness in the church. He, is, he or she is disturbed that the corporate prayer of the church 
no longer pulls down the strongholds of the devil. Are you, are you in mourning today? Because the Lord wants you to be in mourning today for the fact that you are not praying as an individual or as a group in a way that pulls the strongholds of the devil down. The devil is lulling the church, the Western church particularly, he's lulling the Western church into a slumber. And he's calling us to wake up today. Purity comes through obedience. I'm going to write that down. What he's going after is your heart. Up until the revival in Acts, there was all these separation between Jews and Gentiles. And Naomi and I, we just got back, just got back from Israel. And it was powerful to be at the place where this happened. Um, where were we? Forgot Capernaum. Yeah, Capernaum. And what happened there was this. Um, Peter received a vision one day and he saw a sheep being lowered down with all these different animals that are unclean. And God says, eat. In the vision, go up and eat. And Peter's like, you're kidding me. This is Acts chapter 10 or 11, if you write it down. He's like, no way. They're unclean, Lord. I can't do that. And the Lord redefines it all and brings the Jews and Gentiles in and redefines what purity looks like. Purification now is of the heart. Okay? And so Jeremiah 31, 31, uh, that what, what God is doing is he's wanting to circumcise your heart. The outward sign that used to be the thing that showed you were God's people, what he's saying is now an inward reality. It's an inward reality of what God's doing. Are you ready to let your heart be purified through obedience? You know, it's another quote here. Revival is the spirit's passion within the believer to know and to obey the total will of God. Do you understand that? Revival doesn't look like just, woo, like that. It actually looks like obedience. It actually looks like your life being aligned with God's will. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, the other day, um, I, was just, I was just starting to prep my talk. I hadn't started it, but I was just starting. And uh, um, I was over at Naomi's dad's house when Naomi was there. We just had, um, I can't remember what we had. We had a party or something in the day. And what happened was, I was there and I was really starting to go, man, I've really got to get these talks organized. And I was thinking, man, a revival, it's a big deal. I've got my friend Pete Coe. I want to do the best job for him just because he's nice and I like him and I really want to do good for him. And he said, and he seems really like, I want a revival. We really want it. And I'm like, okay, man, I've really got to get there. So I felt like I've got a really important job to do. And I just sat down to get myself ready to get onto my first moment to think about revival. I'm getting the space. I'm like, this is a big job, important job. And then Naomi comes by and she walks past and she says, Hey, these dishes that need to get washed. Do you mind doing them? And I was like, and I'm going to be honest. Right? My first reaction was, I was like, I, I didn't say it out loud, okay? So don't hammer me, right? But I, I might have at least for a, a second thought, I've got a more important job to do right now. And I, I, I'm going to confess that I, I felt that. I at least felt it. I didn't say it out loud, but I felt it. I felt, I, someone else can do that because I'm talking about Revival. You know, like, i got a sermon on revival to talk about. And then God convicted me so big right then. And he said, you're not even allowed to touch this book until you go and wash those dishes. Because revival looks like obedience. There's revival in washing the dishes. There's revival there. There are moments where you 
need to align your heart with God's will and obedience that you haven't done. And so today I'm calling on you to be revived in your prayer life, revived in obedience, purity in your obedience, purity in your possessions. I'm going to literally shopping list the rest already. Purity in your possessions. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, write it down. Do you remember Ananias and um, Sapphira? They come to the apostles and they lie about their possessions and they say how much they've got. And you know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Gone. They drop down dead in the moment. I mean, Ananias first and they carry him out and the wife comes and lies and does a double lie and then she's like, they're like, and then she drops down dead, right? Because God actually cares about the use of possessions and one thing that's very very powerful is in Acts chapter 4 verse 36 people's use of money is purified listen to this Joseph in, in Acts chapter 4 verse 36 sold a field so that's a big deal back there not everyone has fields in, an, in the early church so he gets he's obviously pretty decently rich he's got a field it'd be like the equivalent would be like you've got your house right property and the land right not everyone owns that and he sells it and he takes all of that proceeds in Acts chapter, whatever I just said, and he, Acts chapter um, 4, verse 36, he takes all that money, and what happens? Sold a field, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. He went to the apostles and said, here it is. It's for the church. Let's go. That kind of generosity is what God's looking to fall, for his fire to fall on. That's challenging stuff. But I'm going to tell you that if you at some point have been holding money, or material possessions back from the Lord, the Lord may be saying to you today, not only do I want to purify your prayer life, purify your heart and obedience, your obedience, but I want to purify your possessions. What is it that you're going to let go of today? What's going on? We're not talking about tithing. We're talking about New Testament doesn't do tithing. The New Testament, New, the New Testament does generosity. Tithing is probably a bare minimum as an assumption. Let's go above and beyond for what God needs to do because He will move the resources of His kingdom and those resources sometimes are in your pocket. He will purify the church. Man, I'm so passionate about this point, I have to say it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 is one of my favorite pictures of what the church looks like in revival. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Listen to this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Christ-like communities form. And this church will look more and more like that. They will look more and more like God's imprint for the New Testament church uh, in the book of Acts. It will look more and more and more like that as revival comes. And this thing I'm very passionate about. As God purifies a church, He will purify it. And what we tend to see, and we've seen all the way through history, is that the church starts to become unified. I'm talking about the capital C church. So you want to write down, if you haven't written that, you need to write the word unity down. What are you doing to contribute in any way towards being the answer to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 that they may be one, the disciples may be one, so that the world may know. You want a great harvest? Jesus says, forget it if you haven't been unified, right? Here's the deal. You want to see a big harvest? It comes as the church is unified. There's no question about it. There's no way to dance around this, Sweck. There's no way to dance around this. And the truth is this. I'm going to push... I'm running out of time, so I'm going. I'm getting a bit harsher. I was like, can I just, can I go for it? Yeah, Pete's like, let's go for it. Here we go, here we go. Ready? There is judgmentalism that has come into our church, doesn't matter what side or tribe or whatever you're on, that, is, that, the, that, that Satan uses as the enemy of revival. 
Division is the great enemy of revival. It is the tool that the enemy uses to stop revival coming. I'm not saying give up on your truths and what you hold on to, but I'm saying you need to search your heart now, as do I, and think about is there any group within, within Jesus' precious bride, you hear how we call it? The church. His precious bride that you have sat over in judgment and said, you know what, I don't like what they do. I don't look at, I don't, it doesn't look like what I'm comfortable with. It doesn't feel like what I like. And so I judge them. And I want to ask you this. I'm not saying give up on truth, but I'm saying for the purposes of unity, what does it look like to not allow the enemy to get a foothold when it comes to unity? Because one of the biggest stoppers for revival has to be the judgmentalism that we have of other groups. And overconfidence, I've written down here, that you and your community has it right and God couldn't possibly move outside the categories you have set up for him to work in. I want to say to you this, every one of us has this tendency because in some, to some degree, not hopefully not a big one, we're all a little bit xenophobic. We all are worried, which is a, a fear of the, uh, the stranger, fear of something that's different from you. And that's one of the problems that churches have because we, we come into these little cliques. And what you've got to understand is that God is saying that what we need to do is we cannot ever let ourselves get to the place where we say, God, you've got to work within my box because God doesn't fit in your box. He doesn't fit in my box. We fit in his. And so, Sweck, I'm going to say to you is this, what is it going to look like for you guys as a church to take serious action towards unity? To take serious action towards uh, bonding with your neighbors for the sake of the gospel. Because that is what revival looks like. And how are you going to make an effort now and a decision? Sweck, I'm sorry I'm going so hard at you so quickly. Is that, are you guys feeling okay? Okay, so how are you going to feel? How are you going to make a decision today? An actual commitment that you will not put as your front foot forward skepticism. Because let me tell you this. This whole way of thinking with skepticism, I'm not saying just let everything and anything in, right? There are cults that need to be spoken about and things like that. But let me tell you this, that when revival comes, it may not look like what you look, what you think it looks like. It may not look like what I think it looks like. It may look nothing like what's happening in the rice movement. It may look nothing like what's happening at Sweck. But I want to tell you this, when David brought the ark back into Jerusalem um, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16, do you remember that? He brought that revival was coming. The ark, the presence of God was coming back to Jerusalem. What did David do? He was there and he's, he started dancing. He was like, he was actually he was dancing before the Lord. And Michal, one of Saul's daughters, his wife, uh, uh, was watching him from a window above. And when, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16, when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. There was an immediate skepticism, an immediate despise. And I want to say to you this, I'm not saying that rival will look like dancing around like this, but what I'm trying to say to you is this, that whatever it looks like, are you ready for God to break your categories? Because the Lord will move how He wants to move. And I believe the Lord's going to do that today. So He will purify the church, even the religious institutions. He will purify and He will come in line, and they will come in line with true, true faith. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith, even in revival. I've just got back from Brazil. And you know what? 
they're experiencing full-blown revival. I'll tell you stories later. I don't have time now, but I'm telling you this. We saw, they, they, they saw 160,000 people come together. 160,000 people together from every church possible come together to see the gospel go out. Brazil's experiencing one of the greatest revivals we've ever seen. They have three stadiums full. The first stadium sold out in six hours, beating the record by U2 that was held by that stadium of the fastest thing that was sold. Let me tell you what's going on. What I want to say to you today is this. In that stadium, we saw people come together that was powerful unity. We saw a, I heard a Catholic priest say, I came here not knowing what I would find, but I found that Jesus is here and revival is coming. And so as I finish up, I want to say to you this, purification is going to happen over your life, in your heart, in your church. Not only did I have, the, I'm just going to, I don't have time to talk the last three points, I'm just going to write them down. Purification of the leadership. Purification of the leadership will happen. All the leaders that were chosen, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 11, men who were known to be pure, full of the Spirit. And those leaders, their preaching is even purified. So next, next point, here it is. Purification will come through persecution at times as revival spreads. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Because of persecution, the church itself gets purified. That is the tool that the Lord uses to purify the church. Are you ready, Sweck, to experience persecution if you need to? Because I'm telling you, if you actually live like the Lord wants you to, it's going to not attract lots of cheers from the media or from the streets. It's going to attract uh, opposition. And finally, as I finish... I want to talk to you about the most important one that I want to focus on today, and that's purification of sin. Write it down. Purification of sin. In the book of Nehemiah, that revival that came there all began with the confession of sin. And you know what I've seen in all the way, as I've read all the stories, or as many stories as I can of revival through the ages? Here's what you need to know. That in, in times of revival, the Lord pinpoints, and from the pulpit often, but pinpoints sins and goes after these, these sins and vices. And often sexual sins and all these things are happening. Many people are saying today, and I believe it to be true, that there is a war that needs to happen on certain sins in our community. And in our society today. And so what I want to do is, as I finish, I want to, I want to activate a war on sin. I know it's a lot to take in, but I'm just going to speak to you really strongly. Guys, can I have a look at you guys for a second? The men, men, can I have a look at you? Listen up. What they're saying today is that Porn, the internet, is destroying the church from the inside. And guys, I'm particularly looking at you, I'm going to go a bit tougher on you because I'm a guy and it's easier to, and I won't make you cry, although some of you probably will at the end of this, but I want to tell you this. If you've been dabbling in any way in these areas, the Lord's saying, if you want to receive a revival in your heart, He's the first thing you do. You cut that off. 
And so if you dabble that in any way, here's the first thing I'm going to put as a challenge before every guy in this room and girl, because some girls struggle with this too. And I want to tell you this. If that is you and you've been objectifying women, then let me tell you this. Today that ends. And the way it ends is you tell somebody about it and you ask them to pray with you and you say, I'm done with this. I'm not interested in this. And you ask God to burn it all up. And you make a decision today. And here's what I'm going to do. Some of you will be late for lunch because of this, but that's okay. Because more important than the food in your tummy is going to be this. You're going to want to come forward and ask someone to pray for you about not necessarily just that sin, but any sin. And girls too. Listen up, girls. I know what is that you're struggling. Girls, look at me. I don't know what is that you're working through, what you're struggling with. I don't know if it's, if it's gossip, if it's idolatry of something, if it's, there's a way that you're, you're thinking about your image in a way that is other than what, how your Heavenly Father sees you. I don't know what it is that you've been doing or where it is that you know that you have struggled with. If there's lying or, or exaggeration of the truth. Guys, girls, all of you, today is the time where purification of sin happens first. When that is done, then we can start talking about the power that's to come. And so here's what we're going to do right now. I'm sorry I've had to finish so quick, but here it is. I don't want us to walk off now and go to lunch. This is heavy. There is, I, I, when I, I preached almost exactly the same ending of the message recently, and the amount of guys and girls who came forward straight after this, and they didn't care that they looked embarrassed. The amount of people came forward and said, I just want to be prayed for. And they came up to me and said, you know, I've never told anyone this. I'm struggling with porn. I've been addicted for months. I'm struggling with this. I've been addicted to this. And girls, girls coming forward, I'm struggling with this. Guys saying, I'm struggling with, with lying. I'm struggling with my disrespect to my parents. I'm really, all these things are going on. I'm struggling with greed. I'm struggling with pride. It's that moment of vulnerability that will open this up to this church. So here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to stand. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. I've got a ministry team here at the front. Summer and Edwin are going to sing um, and ask uh, and, and, and ask the Lord to, to, to fire up our hearts. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the ministry team, just so it's not too intense. I'm going to get you guys a little bit to the side. So I've got ministry team. I, I want girls with girls and guys with guys. So Pico and um, some of the guys over there. Um, and the girls on this side. And I'll get Naomi and others to help, please. And Brandon, can you help out? And anyone else um, from uh, in the leadership of the church, particularly that you feel like you can pray for? Dom, and Dom, tap a few people if you need to, or whoever. And um, that you feel, and Pete, feel free if we need to. Now, I want you to be bold, please. I'm going to look at me, everyone else, please. You're right now thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't call. So I just listen up. You should be running. For, I'm, going to, I'm actually giving you an offer to run for this group. Run. Don't, don't. Don't worry about what people think here. This is not about other people. This is about you and God. If you've got sin that needs to be dealt with, then you go up to someone right now, girls on this side, guys on this side, and you go up and say, I need prayer. Just tell them what the sin is. If you want, if you're willing to, just say, come, just say, here's what I'm struggling with. Pray for me that it be released. And I believe that God will break those strongholds today in the name of Jesus. So everyone raise your hands like this, please, in the whole crowd. Let's go. Father God, I pray right now as we sing and as people come forward, that they would please pray, that you would, that you would please break, that you would break sin that you would break greed, that you would break um, a, a, a lethargy, a, a complacency, that you'll break pride, that you'll break addictions, that you'll break um, lying, covering up. I pray that that would happen now, and I pray particularly right now for boldness. I pray for boldness to fill this room by the Holy Spirit, that people would not be like, I'm just more caring about what the person next to me thinks rather than what you think. So I pray for an audience of one, Jesus Christ. And so right now, 
And when I say amen, as we sing, people are going to come to the side to uh, be prayed for. Other people are going to go to lunch. So if you're ready, you just go to lunch. You go up the back and you go for lunch and let, let God do his work here and be ready. But I would not let the, I would not go like, I'll wait to see someone else goes first. You should be, if you know it's you, you know you need to almost charge out of that seat, jump over it and get to someone quickly and, and, and deal with it because the sick need a doctor and the doctor is Jesus. So Father God, right now, even as we go to lunch, we thank you for lunch. And we thank you, Lord God, for the spiritual food you've given us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go forward. Come forward.